The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim Hude. Zim, say what's up. What's going on, people? And we have a special guest today. Uh, we decided to bring on YouTuber Flimlo Raps. You guys have probably seen his videos. If you didn't know, he's a huge Bengals fan. Flimlo, thank you for joining us, and please just let people know where they can find your information at. Man, thank y'all for having me. Happy to be here. Um, y'all can find me YouTube, Twitter, IG, anywhere under Flimlo Rap. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So we wanted to bring Flim on because we have had a really rough season as Bengals fans, and we were all optimistic <laughs> going into the season. Like Flim and myself, we both thought we were going to have a better season than last year, uh, right. them included, and it just mm-hmm. hasn't worked out. So we are trying to do some Bengals group therapy here. So we're gonna. I got. I got a set of questions here that I'm gonna start with. And my first one, I think we were all happy about this one when the Bengals decided to bench Andy Dalton. What were your thoughts on that, Slim? Yeah, I was. I was ecstatic about it, just because to me it represented us just making the obvious decision. I mean, I feel like a lot of people weren't like super excited that we drafted Ryan Finley in the fourth. But we did, you know. So at that point, we drafted Ryan Finley in the fourth. We're about to have a high draft pick, possibly the first overall draft pick. We have to evaluate the rookie quarterback that's already on our roster. Whether he be great or trash, we need to know exactly what he is before we get to that point. So it was it was inevitable at that point. We had to um, bench Andy Dalton. We've been watching him for nine years. We know what Andy is when the team is good. We know what he is when the team is bad. There's nothing else to learn there. You know, it's time to move on. Let's see what else we got. Right. So you you briefly touched on Ryan Finley. Obviously, like you said, they drafted him in the fourth round. He showed some some glimmers of hope in the preseason, but we've seen him now for two games coming off of the game against the Raiders. What are your thoughts on Ryan Finley so far? I've seen enough. (laughs) I've seen enough of Ryan Finley, man. (laughs) I needed to see him. I had to see him. You know what I mean? You had to show him to me. And now that you have, I'm like, okay, cool. Thank you for showing me that. He's not it, you know? So at this point, we can honestly take a look at uh, Jake Dolagala. I mean, they probably want to a little bit later. That's fine. But, yeah, Finley, man, the the issues with Finley are obviously him being an older rookie. And you look at the stage of development that he's at right now, that's it's not very encouraging. Then we know, we already know he doesn't have a lot of the physical traits, you know. I wanted to see him in there, see if he could overcome those things and see if he looked. He was going to have to look more like a second or a third-year player in order, you know, in order for me to feel good about him with him being an older rookie. He doesn't look like that. So I'm not I'm not high on Ryan Philly at this, at this point. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Zen, what are your thoughts on Ryan Philly so far? I think it's kind of extreme a little bit, in my opinion, to just give him the hook after two games. You got to think he came in, um, coming in here off of, off the off the bench, 
thrust into a, a, a team, an 0-8 team at that point or whatever, and he got put on it and had to play one of the defenses that blitzed the most in the NFL, and it's just a tall task. So I don't even really count that game against him. This past game, I think that he showed improvements, and at, at the very least, I think it helps with our argument, or my argument at least, that just shows that having a quarterback that's more mobile will absolutely give results. You combine that with the quarterback that can absolutely throw, like a Joe Burrow or Tua, even though he just was injured, then I think you can see the the success. And then I, and every single day of my life, I'll point to Kyler Murray, how they went from a 3-13 and team to a competitive team. But the, just the mobility factor of it, just the awareness in the pocket on a lot of these plays, yeah. But, see, I think it's different because I think when I talked to Flynn one time before, I think your expectations were a lot higher. We weren't expecting him to come in and do anything for our future. Only thing that we wanted uh, Ryan Finley to do is to solidify the backup position for our new quarterback coming to town. So already I, I knew that this was what it is. I think he's going to improve. Jake Dolagala, I like his upside better, like you said. But I think Finley is just really, really getting into the groove of this is NFL football first. Well, we got time. You know what I mean? We we got plenty of time to see Finley. What I'm saying is, at this point, now that I've seen him, um, my my <laughs> expectations for what he can what he can bring or what he can do for us in the future is not is really not that high. I'm not even that impressed with him as the potential backup at this point. Like I say, I didn't wow. judge him too harshly. Okay. I didn't judge him too harshly off that Ravens game either. Mm-hmm. But you know, I watched him yesterday, and I just. I'm saying I'm just looking at him versus other versus other. That was a good play. I I think he's better on on like third down situations. He does pretty good. He generally does. (laughs) That's my son right there. He generally does uh, a lot better than uh, than Andy in the pocket. But he's not it. I've seen I've seen good quarterbacks on bad teams. Like I I know what it looks like, and that's just not. It doesn't look like Ryan. I, well, see, I think this is what, what our fear was, is that we were going to get like a Gardner Minshew 2.0 where it's like he comes there and lights it up. And then I think this is when I was talking to you one time. It's yeah. just like I don't want him to light it up because it'll be like fool's gold. So all I want him to do is be smart, be competent, be able to aid the new quarterback, and be able to make the plays that he has to play from a backup standpoint. And I think he can do that. But like you said, we got time. Yeah. yeah, we definitely got time. And I, I agree with both of you guys on two different points. I agree that I didn't have high expectations for Ryan Finley, and I, I feel like I agree with Flimlow. Like, off of these two games, I think that I've seen enough to know that he's not the guy that's going to inspire confidence in picking Chase Young over, you know, and going with Ryan Finley outside of picking a new quarterback because – the, the end result to me was just 10 points. And it's like that was a very winnable game that the Bengals were in from start to finish, and he just couldn't do anything to inspire confidence, especially when you look at the end of the game where he goes out there and throws a pick. And I understand that it's growing pains, but I just – I don't know. I don't know what – I think I'm kind of also wanting to see what Jake Delagala could do as well just because he doesn't oh, have yeah. those, physical, those physical limitations – that uh, Ryan Finley has. But moving on, the next most scrutinized person on the Bengals team has been Zach Taylor. So, Flem, what are your thoughts on uh, Zach Taylor as a coach so far this season? Uh, Concerns. I got some concerns, man. He has looked at times a bit flustered out there. I guess it's to be expected because he is a rookie head coach. But I just I haven't seen his his main strength or what we thought was his main strength was you know being like an offensive juggernaut from a play calling standpoint I haven't really seen that and again I gave him plenty of time throughout the course of the season I've seen him with two different quarterbacks and while he has like the run game has improved with the like the new blocking scheme that they came up with so you know kudos to them for that. But still, overall, it's a lot of play calls that I question. I feel like the game plan get away from him pretty quickly, and, you know, things always kind of seem to go south. So I'm not out on him. I mean, I still – I think he needs another year in order to to be fully evaluated, but I'm not super impressed at this point. 
What if he goes or what if he goes on sixteen? Are you ready to give him the hook at that point? No, I don't care. Like I I don't know I don't really have I don't know how a lot of people still have those hopes of winning games this year. Would, would it be cool that we win one game? I, I guess it's fine. It's just dangerous to me. Like, the more games we win, you know, the better the chance is for us not getting the first pick. And I desperately want that first pick. So I'm not going to be judging them on the record at this point. Like, not this year. This year I'm pretty much just throwing out. I'm going to still evaluate them, but I'm not going to make a decision on Zach Taylor. I'm not after this one season. Now, midway through next season? You know, we'll see. You know what I'm saying? After, like, the off season, was he doing the draft this time? Because the first one, you know, it's pretty bad. So we got another opportunity here. <laughs> what is he going to give us? So I'm still, like I say, I'm still checking him out. I'm still evaluating him. I'm not going to want to get rid of him after one season unless something else egregious happened with, like, play calls or something. But so far, let's just say he ended the season the same way he didn't start it. I'm going to get him in the draft. I'll give him free agency. And I'll give him the beginning of next year before I'll be calling for, you know, his Ace, job. Ace, I wanted to follow up and ask you that same question. Do you think Owen 16? Because one thing that was happening with Hugh Jackson was people were saying, okay, we'll give him time. But if you are any bit of good, don't you think you'd be winning at least one or two games? So if it's a two-part question, if Zach Taylor goes Owen 16, are you then looking at a new coach? And then also, what is your threshold if you do keep him for this upcoming year before you give him the act? I mean, to me, I think anything is possible when you see what happened uh, with, with uh, the Arizona Cardinals. I just think that would be out of the normal what the Bengals do. Now, it's it's hard to really say that, too, right, because if you go 0-16, um, the fan base is going to be looking for somewhat of a change, right? And when you hit them in the pockets, that really affects them. But I feel like Zach Taylor really hasn't had a fair shake of this. I kind of agree with certain things that we all have said, which is, you know, he hasn't really had his own players. Uh, he's coming from a from a standpoint of him going to the Super Bowl last year really put him at a disadvantage in terms of being able to put his, his uh, coaching staff together. So he didn't get basically the first chance and the first selection, he basically waited until the seventh round from a draft perspective to kind of pick his coaching staff. Um, so I think from that perspective, is it possible? Sure, it's possible. It would be an easy way for the front office to try to hang all of this on Zach. But when I look at, you know, them from a historic perspective, they've given guys a lot of chances. And I don't think it would be a fair shake to blame the whole 0-16 thing on him I mean, you know, he was kind of forced to, in my opinion, we don't have any factual evidence of this, but in my opinion, he was kind of forced to take on Andy Dalton, and he kind of had these parameters that the Bengals pretty much used with him when it came to free agents, players. So he he, he kind of has operated under the parameters that this front office historically has put on people like Marvin Lewis and all of these other coaches. So I wouldn't fire him. That's just my opinion. I don't think that they should fire him after one year because, you know, outside of some of the play calling, which I think that that could be an easy adjustment for him to hire someone to call the plays, I just don't really see a lot of this essentially being Zach's fault. And I hate to take blame away from him, but I think there's a lot of outside things that have happened this season and historically happened this with this franchise, as Carson Palmer has pointed out, that just you can't really put it on Zach. So I guess my next question would be uh, for you, Flim. When do you think the Bengals will win a game? Do you think we're going 0-16, or do you think that they'll actually win a game this season? Oh, man. All right. Honestly, after looking at that game yesterday, I think I do think we're going to pull one game off. Uh, I, I think we got a shot to beat the Steelers. I think we have a shot to beat uh, the Browns one of those times. They don't show up and kind of shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, we got we got a couple opportunities here, so it's hard for me to say like which one of these games we're gonna win. But yeah, I think we'll win a game before the season's out. I mean, what y'all think? Like, which one y'all think we're gonna take? Or y'all or y'all think we're going zero and sixteen? Which one you think, Zell? I think the Jets. Don't we still play the Jets? I'm, I've kind of lost. Yeah, yeah, we play the Jets. So <laughs> <laughs> them, maybe one of the Browns and uh, one of the Steelers games. 
I think that we could actually win the Steelers game. Like that that's probably gonna be the most frustrating game for me because I definitely wanna win to beat the Steelers. Um if we lose that game against like a completely depleted Steelers team, I might be pretty upset after that game because that's literally like they literally are going to be trotting out nobody. Like, I mean, James <laughs> Conner is down. You know, Mason Rudolph just came off of a game where he threw four oh interceptions. Marquise yeah. Pouncey isn't even going to be playing. Like, if, if Juju isn't going to be in that game, like, if they can't beat that team, I am going to be very frustrated. And that's, like, a big piece of dirty cake because technically it's like, okay, we could win that game and that might be the game that, ends up making us lose the first pick. Yeah. Say, for instance, if we win that game and then beat the Jets, you know, the Redskins could be sitting there, sitting there at the number one pick. So, hey, question. A, do, you, do you think are the Redskins going to take a quarterback, though? I think that they really can. I think a lot of people are forgetting the fact that they're going to have a new coaching staff. And I think whenever, uh, unless you live in Cincinnati, usually what happens is when you get a new coaching staff they usually get the chance to pick their guy if they're picking that high we saw it with Arizona last year so I think that there's a good chance depending on you know which coach they hire there if Dwayne Haskins doesn't fit the offense that that person I mean, wants to he run showed, he shows some promise I mean he shows some things it's, it's gonna be you know it'll be I think they'll they'll be married to him for at least one more year I think so or I hope so anyway but right. yeah I'm kind of nervous that we're gonna we're gonna slip out of this spot man yeah, I could I could definitely see it. Now the more that we kind of talk about it with with you and them talking about the Jets and the Browns and then the Steelers, it could be a chance that we could slip out. Because watching the Redskins yesterday, they looked like the maybe the worst team in the league, maybe even worse than us. When I watched them <laughs> against the Jets, yeah, yeah. it was just I watched was, a lot of that game. They were trash. Yeah, yeah, they were super trash. So, I think if you're a Bengals fan, you absolutely have to be looking at you have to be looking at the Redskins to. Uh, have Haskins play well. That that's our goal. It's like you want yeah, Haskins to play sure. well, <laughs> for sure. But here's the other thing on that, right? Like, say for instance, Haskins plays well, right? They get the number one spot. Who's to say that they aren't holding the king's ransom? Then, right? Like, they could trade with any that's other exact. team that's gonna want to move up and take that spot, and then yeah. somebody moves in front of the Bengals, which normally always happens. We saw yeah. last year with. Pittsburgh moving up for Devin Bush. Let's say, for instance, I don't know, Denver or somebody like that moves up to the number one spot and takes Joe Burrow. Where do the Bengals go after that? Do we take Justin Herbert? And that kind of segues way into my next question for you, Flem. Which player do you think the Bengals should draft? Like, given that scenario, and if not, if they get the number one pick, who do you who do you want them to draft? To get the number one pick, I want Joe Burrow. If we fought, and the reason I want Joe Burrow, man, is because he seems to have all the physical tools, and I like I like the chip on the dude's shoulder. You know what I'm saying? I like a quarterback with a little bit of an edge to him, especially coming to this Bengals situation. We need like a face of the team. You know what I'm saying? We need like some energy, somebody that, can, that the cast can kind of get behind. So I'm a I'm a big fan of Joe Burrow, like mainly for that reason, and obviously his skill set. Um, if we had to take Justin Herbert, like if we say we had the second pick, and we had to take Justin Herbert, I mean, if we had the second pick, I still want to take a quarterback. So I would still say, yeah, let's take Justin yeah. Herbert. Because Welcome I to think the Winter Circle Slim. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, I just was anticipating something yeah. totally different. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Because I think it's a good quarterback draft, man. And we got to get a quarterback. I think take a quarterback high. Like, if we're going to turn the squad around, we got to get a leader. Like, we need somebody that could come in and give us a chance to win every single game. And I think potentially Justin Herbert could be that guy. I like Joe Burrow better, you know what I'm saying? But I don't – I still like Justin Herbert, you know what I'm saying? Right. I know a lot of cats think because I'm like, I'm on the Joe Burrow train. They think, oh, Justin Herbert. I'm like, bro, I'll take Justin Herbert. That's cool. Um, outside of that, though, if we don't get one of those two guys, then – I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure, like, what uh, Tuba's recovery looks like, like what that timetable looks like at this point. Is he going to be back to Tua, or is it going to take, like, a couple years before we even know? So I don't know if we want to take a chance on Tua that I think, high. I think Tua personally should just go back to school for even if it's half a year. 
Yeah, because yeah. teams, so teams are going to want to see him play. Yeah, teams yeah. are going to see him. And if he comes out, I just think he'll drop like really low, like really, really low. So if we don't get either one of those two quarterbacks, then we just we got to take best available at that point. I, I mean, y'all got to agree with that, right? And then try one of the other quarterbacks, I guess, in the, in the second round because you can't really. I can't justify picking one of the second round quarterbacks at pick number four. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I would rather at that point grab a Chase Young, grab the best lineman, and just wait. But we shouldn't even be in that situation unless we just really mess over ourselves. Like I know a lot of Bengals fans want to beat, like want to beat the Steelers and the Browns, but the Steelers and the Browns losing to us at this point is almost like them winning. Like it's almost like they playing a long game. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, let these cats go knock themselves out of draft position. If we win two games, though, I think we'll still have the number one pick, though. Possibly. But we, I, still, I really play, do. we still play the Dolphins, right? They only got two wins right now. But the Dolphins, they're, going, they're good for at least one more. By, by, by the way they've been playing, they're good for at least one more, right? It's I mean, really, we hope, it's, but... we hope so. <laughs> it's really hard. It's really we hard to know. say because if we, like, say, for instance, we tie with the Dolphins, right, and we go into – that game against the Dolphins, they could be they could make something up and like sit Ryan Tannehill or like throw me out there at quarterback and then exactly the Bengals and end up winning and it's hard to say it's really hard. And to we're say. not willing to do that, you know what I'm saying? We're not willing to like lose the game on purpose, you know what I'm saying? And like a lot, it hurt a lot of fans. It's, but it's I'm hard like, to get bro, players on board with that though. I, I understand that. Think about your player that. though, because you want to get your resume. Bengals has 22 free agents coming up this year. There's not any of those guys that's going to go out there and look like trash. I ain't, I, ain't I ain't telling them to go and play bad. What I'm saying is start <laughs> Jake Dolagala. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I, I think they should let Finley play four games and then Jake Dolagala play four games. I yeah, that like, that, like that's all I'm saying. Like, you make the decision with, like, that's a small the smell you put that's in a there. small sample size, though. I'll tell you that, like. It is. I, I don't it's know. a small it's sample me, size, but I think you can see talent, though. You can still see talent in four games. I think I think Jake Dolagala at some point they definitely have to let him get an NFL game in just to let him see what they have and then at, and then at the very least if a team is like a Patriots or somebody looking to groom him or something like that exactly. you're pretty much you got to get some good tape on them so they have to let him play at some point exactly so in in closing Flim I have one last question to ask you uh, obviously Colin Kaepernick had a workout this past weekend. Um, some people don't believe that he will be signed. Um, Vegas actually believes that the Bengals will be the favorites to sign him. Do you think yeah, that Cap, Cap, from a quarterback uh, perspective, would be the right pick for the Bengals? Like, do you think taking him and then possibly drafting Chase Young or something like that, do you think that that could work, or do you think that it just isn't the right fit? I think that could work. I just don't think it's the best option. You know what I mean? That's like – to me, that would be like option C or D for the Bengals. With the, and the main reason for that is because Cap is older, he's thirty two year old quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Now I know we got some veteran guys that's already in there, but I don't think we want quarterback away from pushing for a Super Bowl. You know, I think we want quarterback away from being I mean, a much better team and kinda starting like that rebuilding process. But that that's the issue. I feel like Cap would do better somewhere with like a ready made roster that's ready to make a push right now and is only missing a quarterback, you know what I'm saying, Bears, squads like that. So I don't think Cat would be the best fit with us. Okay. Well, Flem, we appreciate you for joining us today on the podcast. Please be sure to check out his YouTube channel. Check out his uh, Twitter, at Flem Low Raps. And um, was there anything that you wanted to say before you split up? Uh, no, man, just happy to be here, you know, rock with y'all. I watch the show all the time. And I appreciate what y'all boys do. Yeah, appreciate it, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie. Also here with my co-host, Zim Hude. Uh Obviously, we just had our guy, Flumlo, wrapped on. If you're not familiar with his stuff, check him out on YouTube. Does extremely dope videos. Is somewhat of a YouTube celebrity, so be sure to check him out. Uh, but... 
we're bringing it to another part of the show where we have to recap what happened in the Raiders game. Uh, Zim, what are your thoughts on the Raiders game? Were there any positives that you could take away from it? And um, I guess once we talk on that game, we can kind of talk about some other potential scenarios as well for the Bengals. Uh, thank you guys for still sticking in here, guys and girls, for sticking in this thing. You must be a real Hootay fan to be listening to us at this point. Owen 10, uh, time for the worst in franchise history. There were many positives that I could think of out of the game, but the number one positive is that we are still in the driver's seat for the number one pick in the in this upcoming draft. That will be my number one positive. Aside from that, like I said in the podcast prior to this, I, I feel as though they figured out a lot in the run game. I wish later in that game, when they're down just a little bit, that they, they still go back to the run. I think in the second half, Oakland adjusted to it a lot better, but they still were at five, six yards a cap. First half, they were at like 10, 11 yards a pop. I mean, like running the ball. Um, Gio Bernard had a really bad uh, third down drop that I thought would have drastically probably changed this game. But ultimately, I, I didn't want them to win. There are some games that I wouldn't mind if they won, and that would be this upcoming next week's Pittsburgh game. Um, aside from that, I feel as though the defense did enough to win the game. Jesse Bates made probably the best play that he's made this whole entire year. He made a lot of big uh, impact plays last year. But when they drafted him and I was a little unsure about him, it was never about his playmaking ability. It was more like the tackling. He had two real big hits yesterday, and then he also made that, that fantastic interception. I thought that was awesome. Um, but like I said, the highlight of the game is to me is the run game. I think one of the things that I think is a really big takeaway that everyone – I think it's very easy for a Dalton lover to pile on to a guy in his second start, right? We're we're, we're using that as like the, a Dalton lover or someone that's saying, oh, my God, why don't they put in Finley? I mean, put in Dalton, right? <laughs> they're, they're saying that on the strength that Finley is making his second NFL start, rookie quarterback, and you're using that as a gauge to try to measure up, like, yeah, Dalton's better than that guy. I hope so. Nine years later, yeah, I hope he is better than that. I can honestly say, though, if Dalton would have played that game, I think that game probably goes to overtime and they just lose with Dalton, like in the, in, in overtime maybe. But I will say this is the biggest, biggest takeaway. For anyone that's saying that the Bengals need more than a quarterback or don't need a quarterback, I think just him scrambling – just, a, just his awareness in the pocket. If you can get past the bad play of John Jerry and letting uh, the rookie – what's the kid that was abusing Crosby, that was abusing him yeah, all game? If you could get past that and look at, like, the big plays that matter, the third down and 19 throw to Auden Tate, the scrambling for first down on, on two different occasions where you're just saying, like, what a mobile quarterback can do to move the chains, keep your defense fresh, extending drives. That's all I need. I don't need John Elway. I don't need Dan Marino. So I think people are just thinking, like, when you when you get flack for wanting Joe Burrow to come to town, don't you get more people saying, well, what if he ends up being a bust? For me, it would be tough. Judging off of what I've seen already um, in college football right now from Tua, yes, as we said earlier in the show, is hurt. But – just just managing a game and picking up third downs. I don't need a guy to make the most spe- uh, spectacular Pat Mahomes throws year one or year two. Hopefully with the evolution of his play, yeah, he gets better, right? But initially, I just need a guy that can move the chains in key, in key spots. And I think Ryan Finley showed what that would do. Imagine what Finley did scrambling. Imagine what Finley did on that third and 19. Imagine Joe Burrow doing that, right? but at a higher rate because already at the age of 21 or whatever age Joe Burrow is, 21, whatever, he's already better than Ryan Finley. So imagine if that was Joe Burrow in that game yesterday. That's a win. Right. That's a win, period. Right. I don't care if you don't love her or what. That's the biggest takeaway from the game. If Joe Burrow plays in that game, that's a win. You can blame anything you want. You can tell me how bad you think the defense is, how bad linebackers are. But, Jim, we need to go and get offensive tackles. John Jerry's terrible. Yes, we do. But if you insert Joe Burrow with that same trash line, that's a win. And that's my biggest takeaway. 
I'm going to cut everything. Anything else I thought I was going to say, that's a win. Joe Burrow, call me, convince me, tell, uh, lie to me in my face and tell me that's not a win with Joe Burrow. That's what I challenge you dog lovers to do this week. Right. So we talk about 0-10. This is actually the second time it matches their worst start uh, from the 1993 team of 0-10. I believe it's the first time, though, however, when you count uh, some of the losses from the season before. I think it's the worst losing drought in franchise history at 14 games. Um, you talk about this game, there's – I really don't understand the whole defense defensive criticism in this game. The Raiders scored 17 points. It's not like they marched up and down the field. And it was a – to me it was drastically different uh, from the beating that the Ravens put on them offensively where they clearly could not stop them. Uh, they were able to rush the passer. They were able to get three sacks. They were able to get an interception uh, from Jesse Bates, who showed some life. And I had almost forgotten what an interception kind of looked like until he did that. Uh, right. But, but the, the defense, in my opinion, was the good part of the game. Uh, the bad part for me was on the offensive side of the ball. When you got Ryan Finley going 13-31, to 31, um, that's a horrible completion percentage. Um you look at the receiving game, it clearly was lacking there. And it's like, man, like, at one point I was looking at, like, myself ending up, like, suiting up out there and going out for receiver because after the Bengals lost out of Tate, it's like, man, how many more receivers can they lose? They're already down, John Ross, A.J. Green, and now Auden Tate is, is out. The good thing is that it looks like he's okay, so um, best of best of luck to him. Uh, but Tyler Boyd's this game. I got to get on my guy. Like, I'm not just going to hate on selective guys. Like, if you're not producing, then you're not producing. And it hurts me because TB is my boy. Anybody that's followed me on my YouTube channel, Twitter, you know that TB is my boy. But one reception for zero yards is not acceptable. He had more rushing yards with 10 than he did receiving yards. And it just, it just seemed like teams just kind of keyed in on him because the Bengals just didn't really have a threat outside of him. Tyler Eifert. Three receptions for 21 yards is not cutting it. I don't know if that's scheme. I don't know if that's what that is, honestly. Um, but not having a receiver there was just pretty embarrassing. Alex Erickson, another guy, one reception for zero yards. Like, this is ridiculous. You might, have, might as well shouldn't have even played. The decision to throw to Damian Willis on fourth down, uh, that was just kind of puzzling to me, uh, being that we haven't seen Damian Willis be able to make plays at all this season outside of the preseason. Um, the regular season, he's kind of struggled. That kind of made me somewhat questionable. Um, on the defensive side, I did highlight some guys that looked good to me. I think Tupo definitely looked good at the nose tackle position. Now, one thing that the defense did let up, which I'm going to kind of cut them some slack here, is that they allowed Josh Jacobs to average five yards a carry, 23 attempts for 112 yards. But if you watch this NFL season – if you watch this kid, he's the clear pick for the offensive rookie of the year. He's been killing everybody like that, so I can't yeah, really hold. I, I thought I thought they did good. I thought I, exactly. I thought they did pretty good against him. Um, a guy that I mentioned on the podcast for the preview, Darren Waller, the tight end. I told you guys that he was going to kill us. Five receptions, seventy-eight yards. Uh, the Bengals don't have any linebackers, man. I mean, I can't really, I can't really. What do you expect? I mean. Um, but those visual, are vis, visual is flying around though. Visual had his best game of the year. Andrew Billings did his thing. That was his best game of the year, and that was Andrew Billings' best game of the year too. Right, and it also seemed that Carl Lawson kind of got back into shape. Uh, Geno Atkins ended up with one and a half sacks there. Carlos Dunlap gets a half sack. So I mean, dominated. they there. dominated the first half. Their de- defensive line dominated the Raiders' first half of that football game. Exactly. So, I mean, that gives you even further further opportunity to say that, you know, Chase Young shouldn't be the pick. But I'm tired of beating a dead horse there with that. Um, but outside of that, I felt like they showed up. I felt like this was a game that they could have won. Um, I felt like John Jerry, as Zim mentioned, obviously was horrible this game, let up four sacks. I mean, he's a left guard from the street, from off of the street, that didn't even play last year playing left tackle. So, I mean, what do you really expect there? Um, I'm not worried about that, though, because Jonah will be back next uh, season. So, with that, let's also talk about next season. Now, Zim, uh, we talked about the draft positioning and things of that nature. One thing that I want to say that I think a lot of people are sleeping on is the fact that not only will Joe Burrow be in contention for 
uh, that number one pick. Me and Zim kind of also talked about the Tua. You guys know that I'm a Tua guy. I hope that Tua is able to rest up, heal up, and get better. But obviously this takes Tua off of the Bengals draft board, at least in the first round. And I think that one thing that Zim said to me and that me and him were kind of thinking unison is that Justin Herbert has entered the chat. Like Justin Herbert really hasn't gone anywhere, and I think a lot of people have forgotten that. He is definitely going to be in consideration, I think, for um, the alternative to Joe Burrow. It's going to come down to those guys. I actually believe a hot take that I'll say is I believe that they would consider Justin Herbert before they would Chase Young. Uh, But let's talk Mm. about those draft scenarios Mm. because before Mm. we got on the line, you talked to me about potential draft scenarios. So share for the fans within this this last five, five to ten that we have what that scenario was. I, I can see this. All right. So one thing that's going on currently right now is that the Dolphins, right, have three first-round draft picks. Now, a well-run organization would – there's two there, – there's so many different variables, but I'm going to try to limit it. One that is not a Mike Brown stingy organization probably takes those three first-round draft picks. Dolphins probably come in at the number four, number five pick, something like that. So you take their four – their fifth first-round draft pick, right, number four, number five on the table. Then they might they might be number three for all we know. Then you come back and um and then probably say, yeah, give me your first round for next year as well, right? And the Dolphins have so much money in cap space that they probably will say, okay, cool, let's do that, um, uh, and and we can go in free agency and, and fill in a lot of these pieces. And they've already started retaining dudes like they they started retaining like Allen Hearns and stuff. So like their money is there, they got the picks and they got the you know the the draft capital to get our number one pick, right? Most owners I think take that easy, right? Because as a lot of people have commented, there are so many holes on the team. I'm from the 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 thought process that no, you just go get your guy, and I think Mike Brown might be that same way too because. He didn't give up. I mean, Ricky Williams was offered to us for the world, right? And he didn't take that. So the scenario I just said just now, it was my question to Bengals fans, is if the Dolphins come with all those picks, they've already set up their tank so that they can go get a quarterback. They've already set it up. Two is off the table now. They got to be looking at Herbert or they got to be absolutely looking at Joe Burrow, right? Do you take those picks in, in that scenario I just said? right there. For me, I'm still gimme Joe Burrow guy, but over the weekend I thought about it a little bit more. If Tua drops down, yeah, then I take those picks. That Tua that Tua injury changed a lot. And so that's my question to you, Ace. That's my question to you. Tua now falls. Herbert might still be there. He may not. You don't know. The one thing, and I just want to speak on this before you answer the question, is Herbert, right? One thing about pocket passes that I do not like for Bengals organizations, and this is the fear that most Bengals fans have, is that, okay, you're going to have, uh, not Derek, but David Carr 2.0. You're going to have this line that cannot protect them, da 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 I don't trust the Bengals front office to get this line straight. We're on the same page, everybody. I don't trust them to get the front office straight. If you go Herbert, you are buying into, I'm going to have a good offensive line in place, this guy is not going to get shell-shocked, and we're going to roll with him, and we're going to help this guy, and we're going to give him the resources, right? The reason why we're so heavy Joe Burrow and Tua is because they have the wherewithal and they have the awareness to move around and get away from that stuff. Early on in, in Herbert's career, I don't see that. So, for me, Herbert is a no for me just because I'm buying into the skill set, but I'm not buying into the coaching or the resources to support uh, a primary pocket passer. I'll let right. you answer that question. So just so I can understand this correctly, like we'd be giving up the number one overall pick for the number four and possibly their later first round pick is what you're saying. So is that give is, give me all three of their first? Give me all three of their first, and in the following year, they're probably gonna have to end up giving up another first as well. To get the number one pick, you have to give up a king's ransom. Right. Like that's what that's what it takes for somebody right. to get your number one. It's probably three. Give me your whole first round, those three picks okay. that you have, and your following next year first round pick. So I'm getting the number four pick. I'm getting the number sixteen pick. 
And these can change people, but right now the number 16 pick and then the number 25, and I'm moving away from Joe Burrow, and I'm hoping that the number two or number three teams, which right now is the Redskins and the Giants, uh, are not going to take another quarterback. So, look at and, and, and I think and I think the Giants don't take a quarterback. I think the Redskins will be looking. I don't care what anybody tells you. I think the Redskins will be looking. Um, I think you have to worry about Tampa Bay trying to leapfrog up and grab a potential quarterback. Um, man, would I do it? I, I agree with you that I think Mike Brown would pass on it, uh, being that we saw what he did to pick a Kelly Smith. If this presents itself, though, I think that is very interesting, and I think if I were a GM, I would roll the dice there. I'd roll the dice there for a couple of reasons. Number one, we all know that the Bengals have several holes uh, that they need to fill. You could argue that right tackle is one of them. You could argue linebacker. Uh, you could argue cornerback. That's those are those are positions that I would argue there. Um, as far as doing the deal, if I did the deal, I would do that. And I think at number four, you debate about taking. Uh, you debate about taking uh, my mind's drawing a blank right now, but I think you debate about taking Herbert um, mm-hmm. at number four, right? Mm-hmm. Because to me, to me, for you to get a Herbert plus, let's say, a Tristan Wirfs or something like that, or an offensive lineman, or I mean, you probably can't get a Jeffrey Okuda, but I think that I think that if you're picking in the top five, you're still set with getting potentially the second-best quarterback in the draft class. And I don't think that I would be upset with taking Herbert um, fourth. I'm not a Herbert fan, but I think when you look at it from uh, a talent standpoint, you're essentially getting the guy that most viewed as the number one guy coming out last year if he comes out there. He does have the tools. I think, like you said, it depends on what coaching and stuff you put around him. I wouldn't be a huge fan of it, but I'd probably be looking to take Herbert there. When you get to the later aspects of it, right, Um, at number 16, I can take Kenneth Murray, right? I can take my linebacker that we so desperately need there. Um, Mm -hmm. At the the 25th pick, there's a lot of linemen in this class where you're pretty much stacked between – you could wait until the second round to grab one, right? But I think that you could still grab a pretty decent decent one. So hold on. Let me see. So – let me back up. So I'm back. I'm taking Herbert number four, number sixteen. I'm taking Herbert my, might not be linebacker. there. Herbert might not be there. If my linebacker. If the I'm Broncos take, or the or the Redskins fall in love with Herbert, he might not be there. That's why I'm. That's why I think you have to take quarterback at number four. There's still other teams that can move up and and want a quarterback. So I'm taking Herbert number four. Um, number sixteen, I'm taking. I'm, I'm, no, I'm saying, what if he's not there? Mur- you might not get like so. This that's the that's the caveat in this whole thing. You so might the caveat you, is you're well, saying say, that, but you might not get the quarterback. He might not still gotcha. be there. At number four. Gotcha. So let's say that. Let's say Washington trades the pick out to Tampa. Right. Tampa moves up. They take Herbert. Our plan is, is messed up right now. Right. But that means right. that whoever's number three is taking Chase Young. I'm, I don't believe in any scenario where Chase Young falls to number four. So let's just right. say the New York Giants take Chase Young. So from my perspective, do you know where I'm going with this? I'm going to mm-hmm. shock people, and I'm going to take Andrew Thomas number four. I'm either going to take Andrew <laughs> Thomas or I'm going to also oh, – no. another, guy, another guy I could take is Jeffrey Okuda. So it's between those two guys. For the sake of this conversation, let's say I pass on Andrew Thomas and I take Jeffrey Okuda because I've got Jonah Williams coming back, right? So I don't need a top five pick there. I'm taking my corner there, right? So I've got William Jackson the third. I'm moving on from Dre. That that money is off the books. Dre's gone, right? So we've got two potential shutdown corners now. That's one of our weaknesses as well. I think Chris was on to something when he talked about the secondary. So we move up to number 17, right? Now, this is where it gets a little tricky because we don't know how far Tua is falling. Is there going to be a team like the L.A. Chargers that's willing to wait, that's going to take him? I'm not so sure. If we get to number 16 and Tua is still there, I think at minimum you have to think about it. You have to think about pulling the trigger here. I think at 16, if he's there, you take Tua because then you get your cornerback, 
you get your quarterback of the future, even though you might have to wait on him, even if Ryan Finley has to play some games, you have your guy there. You can pull a Patrick Mahomes and sit him for a whole year. Whatever you want to do there, I think you take Tua, right? And then when we get to the 25th pick, I think that's when you take your offensive lineman, your right tackle, or maybe it's even your linebacker. For my sake, I'm going to take the linebacker because this draft is pretty deep at tackle. I can get a I can get a right tackle in the second round uh, with that top pick there. So I'm going to take Kenneth Murray. So give me Kenneth Murray, give me Tua, and give me uh, – Jeffrey, the cornerback, I'll take that all day. I'll take that all day, especially if Tua drops like that. I can see that. To me, you know, the draft is just so unpredictable. So what you're saying makes 100%, you know, sense. But it's just it's just still risky to me, and that's the risk. That it's I definitely think, risky. I, I, I it's think, definitely I think risky. that's a risk, you know, like because some of these scenarios, you're saying that from now to the draft, of course, a lot of these players are going to shift. So I'm understanding. I'm just looking at the position. I don't even care about the name. I'm just going by just the positions that you're telling me. And and I think all the positions, the top guys will be there that you just named. And I think that, to me, I like that scenario better. I think Tua being hurt changed so much for us, and, and, and it gives us an opportunity because somebody will make that phone call. Somebody's making that phone call because, Herbert, to me, I think for a lot of people, and we'll know as we get closer to the draft, isn't going to be worth that spot. And it was two guys that were going to be worth that spot, and if one of them is gone, now the King's ransom is in place. Right, because so, I can't see, I can't see like Jacob Eason, Jake uh, Fromm. I can't see those guys being worth that that uh, that number four pick. You know what I mean? Like I think like. Maybe somebody like Jordan Love, if Tua isn't there, if Tua isn't there at, at 16, right? Let's say somebody takes Tua, right? I think that you have to think about Jordan Love. Like, even though that may – some people may feel like that's a reach. When you look at Jordan Love from a prospect, that's Carson Palmer 2.0, right? So you could even take him. I'd be willing to take Jordan Love at that spot before I take a Jalen Hurts. I guess I should say it that way. I'd be willing to take Jordan Love over a Jake Fromm or a Jacob Eason or any of those guys. Um, I just think that I think it, I think it's a project a little bit, and this fan base I don't think is ready for a project. If you if you go that Hurts route or you go that Love route, your defense better be better than what it is right now. So as much as we're saying like the defense did just enough, like no, that that's when to me then now you're in the Chase Young. Like, you've got to have an elite defense if you're going to have a quarterback that uh, that doesn't come. Like, see, when we're, talking, when we're talking about these quarterbacks to you all and we're telling you about Burrow and Tua and stuff, these are the guys that are ready to go into a field, as we've seen with Kyler Murray and, all, and, and anybody that you can name in the last couple, Josh Allen, all these guys that are having success, they're, they're NFL ready based off of a pro-style system. Some of these guys like Hurts, and 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 um and love and all that stuff like that. They are they're think of Jermaine Pratt. Jermaine Pratt has all the tools to be uh Devin Bush or whoever linebacker that you want to say right off the off the break. But it's a bit of a project and you gotta get him in the system. They gotta get playing time and there are growing pains with it. Burrow and Tua represented the the easiest transition into Let's go back into winning football, and we're not going to blame the quarterback every week for losing. We might blame the quarterback for maybe not making enough plays, but I won't be sitting there saying, damn, why does he overthrow or underthrow every throw, or why does he not extend anything on third down? And that's what Burrow and Tua represent. If you all don't watch college football, that's what they're offering to you right now. And by you passing up on that, you better have a a damn good defense or you will have a lot of losses. So then all the naysayers that said, see, I told you we should, we needed to get defense and stuff like that, they will absolutely come out louder than ever. All the Dalton lovers will come from, from every sewer hole in the country to say, ha, we got you. See, the defense is trash. The offensive line is still trash. That's, that's the scenarios where it doesn't work. These guys that burrow into or whatever, they are ready. Right. I tend to, I totally agree with you. I think, like, when you – don't have that guy staring down at you, that's where your risk in picking a guy that can come in 
is subjectively a lot higher because you don't know whether Tua is going to be there at 16 or not. You really don't. And even if he is, like, that could essentially be a redshirt year. But the two guys, like you said, that I think are the surest things in this draft are Joe Burrow and Tua. And I think if I'm the Bengals in that situation, me in that situation, I would trust. But the Bengals? I I don't I don't take Joe Burrow. That's that, that's what it comes down to. If if I'm the any if I'm the Eagles, anybody that's got a little bit of like they don't play. They go get they got money. They go get the guys that they need. Y'all playing with fire to me by trading them picks away because in any other organization, yeah, I can make them picks do what it do, and I guarantee you we go we get a six seven win just off our new rookie class. Because all the guys that were eating yesterday from the Raiders, that's what it's supposed to look like if you draft well. Think about those guys. They drafted – everybody that they had from last year's draft and this year are actually making an impact on defense and offense right now. Bengals went and got Drew Sample. So, so you giving them four or five first-round draft picks doesn't really jive well with me. And – and that's the that's the that's the question. That's the kicker to me. It's like you know what, what actually happens them. You know what, what what the Bengals would do? The Bengals, if they got so lucky that Tua failed at them at sixteen, what they would end up doing is they would trade back like three more spots to like nineteen. Oh god! To get like a, to get like a fourth round draft pick that they would probably pick Drew Sample 2.0 with, and then somebody's gonna trade up in front of them and snatch Tua. And then they'll just be sitting there like, what the hell is going on? I'm going to tell you this. Bengals love uh, uh, injury guys that were injured or injury-prone players dropping. That's something that they do love. That's why, like, like yesterday I'm watching Maurice Hurst. When he fell right. to the fifth round and I was banging the table for Hurst. When, they had right. that heart, when he had that heart problem or something, I was like, right. bro, that's the, that's the heir apparent to Geno Atkins. And at the time – the Bengals front office must have been thinking, well, that's kind of risky. What if he never plays? It was a fifth-round draft pick. Most of their right. second- and third-round picks aren't playing these days. So, to me, it was like a no-brainer. I could absolutely see them just waiting for Tua to drop and taking and making that the quarterback. Right, right. I could see it as well. But um, as we kind of ran over here, uh, our time is out. Um, thank you guys for listening. Definitely be sure to subscribe to the Cincy Jungle Podcast. That's where you guys can find all of our shows. It starts with the acronym OITMB, Orange is the New Black. All of our episodes will be there. Uh, continue to flood our social media platforms with all of your kind comments, and we really do appreciate it, man. I loved hearing the feedback from the Dirty Cake episode and also our interview with Chris from the Five Star episode. Uh, we continue to grow this community and be sure to follow us at our handles i'm on uh twitter at new stripe city you can find me on youtube at new stripe city he is zim Hooday. you can find him on instagram at zim underscore who you can find him on twitter at zim Hooday. um and this has been the orange is the new black podcast who day